Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Name my friend, we're camping in Tennessee on an old mining road hidden really far back in the forest. I mean, miles away from any buildings. We were sitting under an overhang of rock with a fire, and as it became dusk, we saw a tall, oddly-shaped creature. It was an odd color and had really reflected stark yellow eyes. Its joints were really off, just wrong angles. It was terrifying. I asked if he saw what I saw, and he said he did. We didn't sleep much that night and cut the trip two days short. We have talked about it a few times since and have wondered what it was. This was eight years ago. We saw it again five years after this when we were on the porch of a cabin near the same area. 
I'm not a huge paranormal believer, but my friend had something strange happen to him I'll never forget. We live in a fairly large but low crime rate city. Things like bank robberies and murders that most cities air once of late night news is typically breaking news and is aired for days if not weeks around here. About ten years ago there was an incident. A man attempted self-harm by veering his late 90s Ram pickup truck left into oncoming traffic. At the last second he jerked the steering wheel left. He collided with a smaller car. The accident caused the death of the passengers inside the car, a mother and two young kids. However, the man driving the truck survived without a scratch. Police and EMS and fire crews arrived and began their reports. While looking through the truck, they found something disturbing. On the passenger floorboard, they discovered the head of a woman. Police went to his house and found the body of his wife in the freezer in the garage, who he had killed maybe 20 minutes before attempting to take his own life. The story lasted about a week on the news, pictures and videos blasted the internet and television channels. A few months later, my buddy and I were at a wrecking yard searching for parts for his truck. We came across the same pickup truck from the news, which happened to be the same make and model as my buddy's. He wound up looking through it and pulled some things. Interior trim pieces his was missing, Dr. Hannels and the steering wheel. The steering wheel had the stereo controls, and he wanted to see if he could hook them up on his. After installing all his parts, things started getting weird. He called me one night because he got a flat. His passenger front tire blew out on a back road while he was cruising around 50 miles per hour. The blowout caused him to swerve right and off the road into a field. I helped tow his truck back to the road and put on his spare. What's weird is his tires were fairly new and expensive thick tires that are hard to puncture. A little while later, his passenger lower ball joint snapped, causing his truck to veer to the right again and again off the road. He had to have it towed to a shop and be repaired. Again, a little while later, his passenger tie rod snapped and again swerved right and off the road. After replacing everything on the passenger side with new expensive parts, his truck had alignment issues that caused it to always pull to the right. He found a new shop to do the alignment. But no matter what they did, it always had a slight pull. Hitting potholes and bumps, it jumped right, a lot of times almost causing him to lose control. And he was getting extremely frustrated. A few months later, he decided to try to wire in the steering wheel controls for the radio. He pulled the steering wheel and was trying to wire up connections when he realized he was out of connectors. He put the old steering wheel back on so he could drive to the parts store, and lo and behold, the pull was gone. He called me freaking out. He could drive with no hands on the wheel, hitting bumps and potholes, and the truck stayed in. It's straight path. He drove it for a few more days, then convinced himself that the other steering wheel must be haunted. The crash was when the man swerved left into oncoming traffic, and my buddy's truck began always pulling right after installing it. He threw the steering wheel away and never had another issue. When I was a kid, I used to take three, four weeks out of the summer and go visit my grandparents in a small town in Michigan, and one year I brought a friend with me. Well, one day my grandma, my friend and I decided to go to a small local ice cream shop, Route 66, the best ice cream I've ever had. 
We stopped and got our ice cream, and then my grandma has an idea. We decided to go to an old graveyard and look through it to see if we could find any family members. My family's been in the town for a long time. The graveyard was pretty small, with most of the graves along the outskirts and a few towards the middle. So we walked clockwise around the graveyard, just reading names. As we get back around to the front, I looked over my shoulder towards the middle of the field and saw a woman walking towards the back in a long white dress. I did a double take, and she was gone. I asked my friend and grandma if they had seen her, but they hadn't and insisted I was being paranoid. To this day, I swear I saw someone. The idea had been to bond, to share a father, son experience neither of us would ever forget. My son Matthew had just turned 16, and I thought it was high time he learned the art of hunting and the thrill of spending time together in the great outdoors. So we set off on what was meant to be a weekend hunting trip into a dense, unfamiliar forest. The forest was unlike anything we had ever seen before. It was as if we had stepped into another world where the towering trees blocked out the sun, and every sound seemed to echo and distort in the dense foliage. Our excitement and anticipation filled the air as we ventured deeper into the wilderness, rifles in hand. The first day was filled with optimism and laughter. I taught Matthew the basics of tracking and hunting, and we shared stories by the campfire, our faces illuminated by the dancing flames. The night air was crisp, and the stars shone brightly overhead. It felt like the perfect bonding experience, a moment that would strengthen the father-son bond. However, as the days turned into weeks, our situation took a harrowing turn. We had become so engrossed in the thrill of the hunt that we hadn't paid enough attention to our surroundings. Before we knew it, we were hopelessly lost. Panic set in as we realized we had no idea which way was back to civilization. Our supplies began to dwindle rapidly. What was once a well-stocked backpack filled with food and essentials had now become a meager collection of crumbs and empty water bottles. We were forced to rely on our survival skills, hunting small game and foraging for edible plants. It was a stark contrast to the bonding experience we had envisioned. Each day was a grueling struggle. We followed streams, hoping they would lead us to a larger body of water and, ultimately, to civilization but the dense forest seemed endless with no sign of human presence. Our faces grew gaunt and our clothes became tattered and filthy. I watched as my son, who had once been so full of youthful energy, grew increasingly weary and silent. As the weeks passed, hope began to wane. We were living on the edge of survival, and I could see the fear in Matthew's eyes. The roles had reversed, and I felt the weight of responsibility as his father. I had to keep us both alive to get us out of this wilderness and back to safety. One day, as we followed a meandering stream, we stumbled upon a half-collapsed, long-forgotten cabin deep in the woods. It was a momentary glimmer of hope, a sign that we weren't entirely alone in this unforgiving place. We searched the dilapidated structure for anything useful and found a rusty old compass. It was a small victory, but it gave us a sense of direction. We continued our journey, now guided by that old compass, and after what felt like an eternity, we finally heard the distant sounds of civilization. A road, a car engine, and voices, 
Tears welled up in our eyes as we emerged from the dense forest and saw the familiar sight of a road. A kind-hearted passerby stopped to help us, and we explained our ordeal. They offered us food and water and called for assistance. The relief of being rescued was overwhelming, and we knew that our bond, tested and forged in the crucible of survival, was stronger than ever. As we left that dense, unforgiving forest behind, I couldn't help but reflect on our journey. What had started as a bonding experience had turned into a fight for survival, a test of our determination and resilience. We had faced the darkest of moments together and emerged from them stronger. The memories of those weeks would stay with us forever, a testament to the unbreakable bond between a father and his son. About two years ago, I had gone to bed as usual. I was spending the night at my parents' house after a family dinner, and my parents hadn't changed my room since I had moved out years before. My bed was a full bed, smaller than a queen, and was positioned directly under a rectangular window in my room on the second floor of my parents' house. The windowsill was about four feet from the floor, and the window measured about five feet long by three feet high. It is a large enough window that, if you wanted to, you could fit your entire body through the sliding opening. Outside of this window was a portion of the roof. When I became older, I used to escape out of this window and go see my girlfriend at night. I had glued the alarm sensors in the window frame to one another, opened it after my family went to bed, climbed out on the rooftop, and climbed down the fence in the backyard to get in my vehicle. I guess what I'm getting at is it's somewhat simple to scale the house from the ground and get to the point where you can stand directly outside of my bedroom window. As a child, I was never crazy about sleeping in my room. I consistently complained to my mother that I continuously saw shadows at night, or strange figures sitting on the roof outside. I made such a big fuss that my mother tore down the curtains that were there previously and replaced them with blinds. From that moment on, I consistently made a point to close the blinds in a way that I could not see outside from beneath. The window is slightly higher than my bed position, and no one could see in from outside. I don't know that all of these details are necessarily important for my experience two years ago, but I felt it best to try and paint as complete of a picture as possible for you all. Okay, so two years ago I go to sleep. It was somewhere around 10.30 p.m., I had closed the blinds in my usual fashion and ensured the window was locked. I do not remember dreaming at all. I just remember feeling this incredible sense of dread, that feeling of falling down real fast to the ninth degree. I opened my eyes, and now I was in my room, reclined in my bed. Everything appeared normal, with exception to a tall, skinny, black-hooded figure. Think six-foot-four Palpatine standing at the foot of my bed. All I could make out was a very pale, pointed chin poking out from beneath the hood. The chin looked discolored with some noticeable blue hues and wrinkles. I laid there, motionless, feeling more and more afraid. After the figure stood over me for a while, a draped arm rose from his side, revealing a pale, frail hand. The hand had three fingers, one of which was extended almost in a pointing-type fashion. The figure leaned over, finger extended, and reached out, slowly planting his finger between my eyebrows. The moment he made contact, I felt this immense, focused pressure. 
like he was going to put his finger right through my head. I tried to move, but could not. I tried turning my head with all of my strength, to no avail. As the pressure built, I began seeing white emanating throughout the room. I recall wrenching my neck to the left so hard that I finally broke contact with him. When I looked forward again, he was gone. I was left with just a dark room and nothing else. I immediately called my best friend, who actually picked up his phone at 2.30 a.m. and spoke with me for a good 15 minutes. He assured me that I had undergone some sort of sleep paralysis episode, and that it was all in my head. By the end of the conversation, we were planning lunch the following day. After I had hung up, I looked out my window and could see the moon. I thought nothing of it for a moment, but then realized that my blinds were turned in the opposite direction that I had left them, and my window was unlocked. I have absolutely no explanation for any of this, and I am incredibly reluctant to share this story with anyone. This is the first time I am writing my experience down. Has anyone else ever experienced something like this? I am 100% certain my blinds were closed and 110% certain my window was locked. I was never happy about sleeping near windows as a child, and today I avoid it completely. A couple of years ago, I was set filing out some paperwork in the office when a call comes in on the radio. Tell me I think I'd better get down here ASAP. I just remember thinking that somehow they must have known I just sat down for a minute with a fresh pot of coffee. But a colleague calls through something like that, you better go check it out. I'm a ranger out in Soquel, and we have a massive expanse of parkland that we look after. So, after jumping in the truck and heading off to the area, one of the rangers had also been checking in on to see what we got. We have an official camping area out here, which is super busy and is ran and looked at and after by a separate team. We don't tend to get involved with that much. But we do, however, find the occasional off-site camper in the woods that we have to remove for their own safety. People or idiots don't seem to realize that there is a reason why there is a safe campsite, and although you can hike through designated areas, there is plenty of wildlife out there that would very much like you for an appetizer. So, I pull up the truck to the spot my colleague is waiting, and my heart sinks when I see the tents. I was asked if I looked inside, and I can now see my colleague turning a little green. He told me I'd better take a look. I just remember thinking how bad it could possibly be. I mean, the tent from the outside at least hardly... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. ...and looked disturbed. There were no apparent rips in the material or obvious signs of any animal activity, let alone violent activity or struggle. But as soon as I opened the zipper... The smell hit me like a hammer to my face. Blood and a lot of it. But that's it. No body, no belongings. Not even a sleeping bag. Nothing. Just a tent full of blood. We had the police come and they did their thing. Did a massive search of the area and although how anything would have survived that much blood loss, I don't know. But where was the body? That site was a potential homicide location. There was also no blood trails outside of the tent, no footprints, tire marks, or anything other than from us. Speculation was that the body was killed in that tent and then drug off. But once again, there were no markings or indications in the soil or ground below us to show any of that. The cops let us know a while later that, after doing tests, it was indeed human blood, but having no match whatsoever on the system to who it belonged to. So that's another park ranger tale. We'll never know what the hell happened. Wayne National Forest has always been my sanctuary. A place to lose myself in the embrace of nature. So when I decided to embark on a solo camping trip, I had no reservations. The first day was uneventful. I hiked, fished, and when the sun began to set, I set up my tent. The forest was alive with the sounds of nocturnal creatures, the night air cool and crisp. As I settled into my sleeping bag, a flicker of light caught my attention. I unzipped the tent, poking my head out. Two glowing white orbs floated around my campsite. They moved slowly, almost rhythmically, casting an eerie light on the trees. I watched them in silence, my curiosity peaked, but also a sense of unease building up inside me. Was it just a trick of light? A reflection of some sort, perhaps? But then they started moving in patterns, defying any logical explanation I could come up with. I considered packing up and hiking back to my car, but something made me stay. I wanted to understand what I was witnessing. So I crawled back into my tent, leaving a small opening so I could observe the orbs. The night was long. I would doze off for a while, only to wake up and find the orbs still there. They floated around my tent, never straying too far. The glow seemed to pulse, radiating a soft light that illuminated my tent. I tried to rationalize it, told myself it was just fireflies or some other forest phenomenon. But deep down, I knew it was something else, something unexplainable. As dawn approached, a rustling sound echoed from the bushes. I froze, straining my ears to catch any hint of what it could be. Suddenly... A dark figure darted past my tent. A predator. It moved with an eerie silence, its eyes glowing a familiar white. I held my breath, watching as the creature prowled around my tent. It seemed curious, almost as if it was studying me. The orbs hovered nearby, their glow matching the creature's eyes. Then, as quickly as it had appeared, the creature vanished into the forest. The orbs followed, 
fading away with the breaking dawn. I was left alone, the forest resuming its natural rhythm as if nothing had happened. I packed up and headed back to my car, the events of the night replaying in my mind. I didn't have an explanation for what I witnessed that night. Was it just my imagination? Or did I encounter an unknown predator of the forest, its glowing eyes a testament to the mysteries that nature holds? I may never know, but that night changed the way I looked at the forest. A reminder that even in the familiar, the unknown lurks. Being an avid hunter, I've seen my fair share of wilderness. But this particular trip to the Blue Mountains of Washington with my buddy Sam was one for the books. We'd been deer hunting and were camping deep in the forest about eight miles from the nearest sign of civilization. We left our camp for about a week during the gap between deer and elk season. But when we returned, we found our campsite in ruins. A bear had ransacked the place our tent torn down and our supplies scattered all around. The smell of the bear still lingered, causing our horses and mules to be noticeably agitated. We spent the remainder of the day setting up camp again. As the sun dipped below the horizon, we managed to get our tent back up and calm the animals. Exhausted from the day's work, we turned in for the night. Just as I was drifting off to sleep, I was jolted awake by Sam's terrified screams. I scrambled out of my sleeping bag, my heart pounding. What is it, Sam? I shouted, fumbling for my flashlight. There! There! He pointed towards the trees, his hand shaking. My beam of light cut through the darkness, landing on a massive figure that was definitely not a bear. It stood on two legs, covered in thick hair with broad shoulders and a powerful build. It was a creature straight out of the legends, a Sasquatch. We froze in fear, watching as the creature lumbered around our campsite. It seemed curious, inspecting our tent and supplies. The horses and mules were in a frenzy, their senses sharper than ours. As quickly as it had appeared, the Sasquatch retreated back into the forest, leaving us in stunned silence. We barely slept that night, every rustle of the leaves sending us into high alert. But the Sasquatch did not return. In the morning, we packed up our campsite and headed back to civilization. The encounter left us with a sense of awe and respect for the wilderness we thought we knew. It was a stark reminder that we were merely visitors in these woods, a place that still held secrets and creatures beyond our comprehension. We left the Blue Mountains with a new story, one we'd tell around campfires about. The night we saw a Sasquatch... My dad and mom had backpacked in several miles to an area he had hunted elk in numerous times in the past. They set up their tent and got camp all situated, didn't see hide nor hair of any elk that evening, but figured they would get after it in the morning. About 1 a.m. they started hearing a moaning sound off in the distance. But it kept getting a little closer and a little closer, and by around 2.30 a.m., the noise was only 50 or 75 yards off, and it sounded almost like a person that was injured, so my dad got out of the tent with his flashlight in one hand and 44 in the other. He shouted out, Hello, are you okay? But no response. He scanned the woods with his flashlight, but nothing, no eyes, reflecting, or nothing. He went back in the tent, and about 20 minutes later it was back and getting closer. 
Whatever it was came right up to the tent and was brushing against it. My dad said it almost seemed like a person walking around the tent with their hand brushing against it. When it was on the opposite side from the door, he unzipped the door and jumped out, ready as one could be to see what it was, scanning with the flashlight again, but again nothing. My mom yelled, it's right behind the tent. I can hear it moving. So my dad went towards the back of the tent, but still nothing. No eyes reflecting, as one would expect with an animal. This continued until just before it started breaking light, and then it completely vanished. They left and came out after that, but him and I hunted that area again about 25 years later. If I'm being honest, the first night out there, I didn't sleep a wink. My dad said that was the only time in his life when he was truly frightened. For what it's worth, he had tons of backcountry experience, both in Montana and Alaska. Funny thing is, he ran into an outfitter a couple months later, and he had dropped a hunter off in an old trapper's cabin about seven miles as the crow flies from where my parents had been. The hunter had a similar story and got so scared he just left all his gear except his rifle and high-tailed it out there. His story beats my worst all to hell. My worst was having a mountain lion and heat circle my tent most of one night after backpacking in seven miles for mule deer. It was an uneasy night, listening to her screaming all night, but at least I knew what it was. This was out in rural Kansas, and I was with a group of friends. I wasn't from that area and was only visiting, so they wanted to show me the sights of the area. They were from a small town surrounded by even more rural and small towns, so they often explored the area looking for ways to pass the time. It was late at night, and we were cruising down a highway passing names of towns that probably wouldn't even show up on a map. They were taking me to this abandoned house they'd found a while ago that they liked to explore, and they admitted it was creepy. So, of course, we went to the house. I remember them taking us off the highway down a dirt road and parking in the ditch. Luckily, the abandoned house wasn't too far back from the road, and we reached it quickly. We were all using our phones as flashlights, and when we got up to the house, I truly didn't think too much of it. Maybe I was feeling braver than I actually was, but being with a big group of mostly guys who had been there before, I felt pretty safe. We all stepped inside the house, and I was a little spooked by now, and mostly praying the floor didn't collapse under our weight. We stayed on the first floor and looked around. It really wasn't much, just an abandoned living room. One of the guys told me that during the daylight they had gone into the basement and was trying to see if we were all brave enough to go in the dark. I instantly noped but a few guys were up for it. Myself and the only other girl in the group stood back as we watched the guys descend down the stairwell. They hadn't even made it all the way down when, from across the room, we heard knocking. All of a sudden, everyone is screaming and running back to the car. When we were back in the safety of the vehicle, the guy who was closest to that side of the house when the knocking started said it had come up from under his feet. Maybe it was squatters. Maybe it was a demonic entity. But I'm never going back in an abandoned building. My brother and I were standing outside my home at around 8 p.m. in Texas, already dark winter, when I noticed something off in the distance above my brother's shoulder. It looked like it was flying over downtown Dallas, but it was hard to be sure how far it really was because it was just a bunch of dull white dots arranged in a triangle. 
I must have had a confused look on my gabe as I tried to figure out what it was because my brother said what and turned around. He saw it too, and we both just stood there as it flew closer, and then the scale of it became impossibly huge for it to be an aircraft. I said to my brother, Is it birds? But no response as it flew over us. The dull white dots never gained any more detail as it went right over us. It then sped up. It had taken a good thirty seconds to get to us, but only took about five to zip away so far that it disappeared. Also, when it flew over us, all ambient sound disappeared. No bugs, dogs barking, highway noise. All gone. It sounded like I was in a sound booth when I asked my brothers of birds. We went inside and told family what we saw. They just said, that's weird, basically. My brother said he didn't hear me ask about any birds. Weird. I had always been drawn to the mountains, and the view from the top of Saddles Mountain was one of the most beautiful sights I had ever seen. So when I had the chance to climb it again, I couldn't resist. I knew I was cutting it close as I made my way back down the mountain. It was almost dark, and I still had a long way to go to get back to the campground. But I didn't want to rush the climb. I wanted to savor every moment of the beautiful sunset. As I was driving down the road, I hit a bump, and the car went off the road. I was shaken up, but thankfully not hurt. However, I knew I couldn't stay there. I was still a ways away from the campground, and it was too dangerous to try to drive in the dark. So, I started walking. At first, it wasn't too bad. I had a flashlight, and I was making good time. But then I heard it, a distant, eerie scream. It sent shivers down my spine. I tried to shake it off, telling myself it was just an animal. But then the screams got closer, and I knew something was following me. I couldn't see anything in the dark, but I could feel it getting closer. And closer. I started to run, my heart pounding in my chest. The screams were getting louder, and I knew I had to get out of there. I hiked to the highway, looking for help, and swore never to be in that area again after dark. To this day, I don't know what made those screams. But I know they weren't just my imagination. There are some things in this world that we may never understand, and that's okay. But I will never forget the terror I felt that night, and I will never go back to Saddles Mountain after dark. My family and I stayed in an old house from a distant aunt when we visited Garamiranga, Brazil. The main room in the house was filled with religious figurines, and I mean filled. There were about 50 different statues in there. Most of them represented Catholic faith, but I couldn't recognize the few others. There were also pictures in the walls of people that looked like they were dead. When I told her about it, my therapist said it was tradition in some rural places to take a photo of a deceased loved one before they were buried. So I guess that explained that. We found our rooms, and we noticed that one door didn't open at first. A few days later, though, we were very curious, so we pushed hard against it, and when the door slammed open, we found a room that had five mirrors positioned in the center and a wardrobe. When we opened it, we found it was completely filled with a metric F-ton of hair of different colors. Needless to say, we closed that door and never opened it again. The last weird thing about that house was when I was sleeping in the same room as my parents'. I was about 10. 
and I woke up in the middle of the night to what looked like a person holding a weak flashlight pointed at us in the corner of our room. I got really scared and eventually started crying. My parents woke up from my whimpering and they turned on the lights to see if I was okay when I looked again. There was no one in our room.